0: and welcome to episode 107 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage in a whole hotchpotch of patterns looking fabulous as ever, we have Alan Edward Herbert Grey, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist.
1: <laughs> well, cheering up a rather grey day over in Cambridgeshire, we have Thordis Maria Sophia Friedrichsen, smiling away, looking absolutely radiant. Dare I say it yet again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> One day, I, I hate to think what's going to happen when I've popped and then suddenly I'm no longer blooming and radiant. I'm just going to look haggard.
1: <laughs> never.
0: We'll, never, find, never, out. Never, we'll never. find out what happens the other side. Um, We are very excited for a kind of winter into spring feature on tour. I mean, it was kind of what we've been doing, I suppose, for the past couple of weeks, but we're going to be. Winter greens, spring flowers with the one and only Tim Simon Fuller of Plantsman's Preference in South Lopham in Norfolk. Not a million miles away, really, from either of us. You're almost equidistant between the Norfolk and the Cambridge yeah. residents on this podcast. How are you, Tim? Yep, fine. Thank you very
2: much. I'm pleased that it's mild and we're not frozen solid again. But at the same time, it's just that little bit too warm for some of the plants. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's that awkward thing, isn't it? How many layers do you start the day with and get rid of during the morning?
1: <laughs> you know, that's the trouble with gardeners and farmers. It's always two something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly all about layers. This um, It's been interesting following your Instagram. You're always very keen in your listings to point out whether things are hardy for you. You often put the temperature it's been hardy down to. So have you been sort of paying quite close attention to the temperatures things have been subjected to and how they are coping and how they're going to cope, I suppose, as the the season progresses.
2: Yeah, well, we've got max min thermometers all over the nursery. So we know what temperature each tunnel has gone to overnight and outside and things like that. So we've always got a fairly good idea what it's been overnight. Um, 5.8 this morning was the lowest. Um, And, you know, we've not been that cold this winter. Um, the lowest we've had was minus seven for a couple of days back in December. But what's done damaged things this year has been the fact that it was those sort of minus six, minus seven for several days at once. Whereas typically you, you'd you be minus two, three, and then it will suddenly drop down for just one or two days. Um, what we haven't had, though, has been the wind. And I know back in 2012, we were minus 16, minus 17. But with snow cover, but it blew and it was a really cold, biting east wind or northeast wind. And that burnt the leaves off a lot of evergreens, but they reshot. So things like Pittosporum Irini Patterson, the, the sort of creamy white one with green speckles on it. I've got a big eight, nine foot tall one of those. It lost every single leaf that winter and regrew. This winter, it hasn't battered an eyelid at all. But we've got other things, particularly things in pots, young plants that look very much like they've died that you wouldn't expect to suffer at such relatively mild temperatures. Minus six shouldn't be a problem for them. Mm. But the problem we've had this winter has been long, hot dry spell last summer that carried on mild with rain as we got into winter. Stuff grew late, didn't Mm. go dormant, and then got clobbered. So we're, we're seeing... Things that should on paper be hardy they're dead other well, things had that
1: on, uh, on a, a little dwarf euonymous hedge that i'm using here instead of box and of course you, you just said you know we had that long hot, hot dry spell everything kind of shot down then we had moisture yeah. and then we had cold and yeah. when we had the moisture the, the new young growth of course it got killed and yeah. i mean they look pretty disgusting at the moment because they've got gray bits all on the top of them yeah um, oh, yeah, yeah. I was looking at some plants to, to show you today, and things that
2: wouldn't normally have any winter damage on at all, they've got frost damage on them. Mm. It'll regrow in the spring, but um, yeah, it's quite striking. We we went on a staff outing to Anglesey Abbey at the end of January, and to see some of the evergreen shrubs there that you think of as being tough as old boots, really badly frosted on the top six inches or so. Really? Yeah. I'm sure it's going to come back quite well, but it, it was that late growth last autumn that yeah. didn't mature mm-hmm. um, and it's still soft.
0: Along yeah. Alongside your Pittosporum, which has obviously coped really well with the conditions this winter, are there other plants that have surprised you and done well and not been damaged?
2: Um, that, I suppose, it re- really stands out because I expected with that cold weather that it would lose leaves. But about 10 yards away from it, we've got Abelia chinensis, if that's still a current name for it. And if you look that up in books and on websites, a lot of places will say it's not hardy. But it came through that minus 16, 17 without blinking. It kept most of its leaves that winter absolutely fine. This year, it's lost about half its leaves, but there's already new shoots on it. It's only February and there's new shoots on it. And it's just ridiculous. It shouldn't (laughs) be doing that. Um, I suppose a lot of the herbaceous things are coming up really quickly already. Um, I mean, I'm, I was moving a couple of trays of Kennelothium denudatum. I do love these things with long names, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> it's a, an humble uh, sort of cow parsley family, and that's already two, three inches tall. Um, and, you know, it's always fairly early, but it's obviously not had any problems at all. Um, I'm basically on waiting mode to see what's taken the, the permanent harm, Um We've had a few batches plants in pots where the roots have rotted off as well. And that's the, the excessive wet from December. Um, but no, I'm, I'm talking to people at garden clubs and that where I've been giving talks lately. and Yeah, people are already throwing plants out. And I'm thinking, no, it's too early. You don't know if it's going to come back from lower down yet. So yeah. I'm going to give a lot of things till April at least.
0: Yeah, I've been hoping. There are things I'm looking at and just thinking you're probably dead. But come on, <laughs> we can resuscitate you. <laughs> Well, there are certain
1: plants that do, that you know, you know, really and truthfully in your heart and hearts that you shouldn't leave out in, in a in a very cold winter. Because we've been lulled into a sort of false sense of security for several years. I um, actually had a plant in a in a pot, Farfugium japonicum wavy gravy, which is those yeah. has those lovely sort of greyish green, very curly leaves, quite large leaves. You know the plant, Tim. Yeah, and um, the sort of kind of pink undersides to the leaves as well. It's a it's a cracking foliage plant. I had one plant in my kitchen courtyard and I put it in the corner and I thought, well, I'll leave it there. And then I sort of, for some strange reason, picked it up and took it to the greenhouse. Thank goodness I did, because I don't think I would have um, been able to keep it. But yesterday I actually chucked it out of its pot and had a look at it. And most of the roots had rotted in the bottom. And I think, again, that's excessive wet.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I managed to divide it into four decent-sized pots. Okay. So... I'm quite pleased that I did actually take it in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a plant. I And Farfugiums as a whole, I don't consider hardy down here at all. No. Um, I'm always telling customers that we might be in the same county, but I reckon down here on the Suffolk border, we're generally three degrees colder than Norwich. Yeah. And I guess you're probably at least three degrees warmer than Norwich. Yeah, pretty much, yes. Yeah. Big difference across the county. It,
1: well, you know, of... your, your t- temperature is minus, I can't remember whether you said it, minus seven, was it? Min- minus seven was the lowest we had, but for yeah. three consecutive nights. Yeah, well, we got down to minus four, minus 4.5 on three consecutive nights, which is unheard of for us. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, this just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> 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 but it did. Um, yeah. So, you know, Dame Nature's always got a trick up her sleeve, I think. Oh, yeah, it's... Always going to throw one at you when you're not expecting
2: it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously
0: we've therefore missed out on a couple of plants for show and tell because uh, they they haven't made the cut. But um, I'm very excited to see what you have brought along for, for this episode, Tim.
2: I did have to be a little bit selective. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having said, I'm not going to talk about snowdrops all the time. <laughs> I'm going to start with one. Um, this is Trumps, which is—I mean—it's nothing wildly special, but it's a good doer. I brought it mostly to demonstrate the fact that I'm growing it in a pot, and I grow quite well. Maybe half my snowdrops in pots, and I keep hearing people saying that snowdrops don't grow in pots very well.
1: Now well, <laughs> you're proving us wrong, right, proving them wrong. Tim. I mean, that looks fantastic. What, what more can I say?
2: That's yeah. been in there three years. It's in a deep two-litre rose-type pot, so it's got plenty of depth to it. And it's in my custom-made peat-free compost. So to those who say you can't grow them in peat-free as well, (laughs) sorry. Look what it's doing.
1: (laughs) I'm just going to ask you if you might think of marketing your your customised peat-free compost.
2: I think the problem is that my supplier is already struggling to get sufficient material because... Other nurseries have been asking me what it is. Where can they get it from? And oh, no, I'm uh, not surprised. There's, there's various other nurseries that are now trialing or full out using my mix, which we we develop slowly over time with with help from the supplier. You know, tweaking it here and there. Um, and as Ed Brown, Bob Brown's son from Cotswold Garden Flowers, said to me last autumn, he spoke to his supplier and said, right. Who's using peat free? Who's messed about with it and made the most changes of all your customers? And their supplier said, well, it's easy. It's Tim Fuller at Plantsman's Preference. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed is now at least trialing, if not using my mix as well. So, and he needs an awful lot more of it than I do. And there's just not enough raw material to go around at the moment that will mm. be in the future. But yeah, I mean, we grow everything basically in the same mix. The only exception is for things like cyclamen and sempervivums, where we add a lot of extra grid. But that's just in our standard compost growing in a shady spot. So brilliant! I
0: I can't even count the flowers, but on the way to twenty, I would say or more, maybe.
2: Oh, yeah!
0: I could count them
2: if you want, but there's plenty. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is that that actually is one of three pots of trumps, which I bought a single bulb. I think it was 2015, and that's just grown in pots and been separated out into three. So, you know, they're all like this. Absolutely.
1: You're right right at being a good one then.
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to get trim, which I think was the first of this type, and Joe Sharman actually said, don't get trim. It's not actually a very good doer. Get trumps instead. So I got trumps, and it's certainly doing stuff. Yeah. I know not everybody's keen on the name with um, certain American <laughs> presidents, but the plant itself is brilliant.
0: It's funny you should say that, because when I was um, around Alan's on Snowdrop Day and the other half and I were walking around the garden and looking at all the snowdrops and I, I saw Trump's and I said, I, I wonder if it's seen a dip in popularity over the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the quality of the plant uh, kind of overtakes that. Well, they're,
2: they're kind of the beginning of a whole stream of that type, aren't they? So you can always get one of the others, and yeah. with, um, the yellow versions of them coming out in recent years that are getting cheaper. Um, still still too much for me, but um, I'm sure I'll finish up with a golden fleece or something eventually.
0: <laughs>
2: one day. But I was mostly thinking rather than just going through my snowdrop collection, which other people can do better than me, what about the things that we grow with them? Um, so this it's a bit of a <laughs> a big one but um, I don't know how well you're getting that with the light this is arum chameleon mm. and this is one of those wintergreen arums. I've had this 20 plus years now and yeah back in 2012 when we had the really cold winter it did get hammered but this year it hasn't batted nylid at minus six minus seven grows its fresh leaves in sort of October time got nice fresh gray, marbled green leaves all through the winter and it will go dormant probably about may june time when it whenever it gets too hot and dry for it basically and clumps of some of these arums with the snowdrops they just look lovely because they're they're showing each other off nicely and Um, it
1: furnishes the garden throughout the winter months which is i think just so lovely i mean i'm I'm gradually building a collection of these um arums and um and you know (laughs) I'm building the collection and uh, they're self-seeding around the place. I suppose the birds take the seed and then because they're in hedge bottoms and various places, but, you know, you get remarkable variations and good winter cover. Well, they're light cyclamen
2: and snowdrops and that. You try picking the seedlings, which ones you're going to get rid of and which you're going to keep. Yeah. Yeah. No. You (laughs) can't. Yeah. Uh, But there's, there's plenty out there not so easy to get hold of all of them but I mean, even the standard italicum with the the white veining in it mm. it's a lovely thing i know some yeah. people swear about it for spreading too much and that but it's funny how a lot of people do get worried when a plant does well in the garden Yes, yeah, so no. doing really well and and that they want rid of it but i think well if it's doing well get more of it
0: <laughs> yeah um, good doers i'm a i'm increasingly a fan of good doers and that is a vast clump. I mean, that's like you can mm. hug it with both of your arms. Yeah.
1: That's like yeah. And hide behind that one. <laughs> you can, but I mean, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, what a wonderful winter pot subject as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people have got a, a
2: house door that faces north, whether it's yeah. front or back of the house. Perfect sort of thing to have, have in, mm. um, in a pot outside the door. Um, the one thing with that, of course, you grow them in pots. When they go dormant, you can just shove them behind the shed or whatever and get them out of the way.
1: Yeah. You're giving me ideas, Mr Fuller. <laughs> Isn't that the idea, Alan? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: now, not quite so showy, but in nearly as big a plant, um, I'm going to get that, my light and it's dripping water everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an ivy, um, not a common or garden ivy, though. This is Hedera pastachovii, Ann Allah or Allah, I'm never sure how to pronounce her surname. Um, sorry, I'm I'm doing a Dan Cooper here and getting completely soaked. <laughs> um, and um, this is uh, a wild collected ivy from the Elberth Mountains. I pronounced that wrong as well, I'm sure, in Iran. Um, perfectly hardy. Again, hasn't batted an eyelid this winter. And I don't know if I can find this really big leaf on here somewhere that we noticed yesterday when I picked this out. Oh,
0: wonderful big, arrow pointed leaves.
2: Angular leaves. I mean, compare it to finger length, you know, that, that's not as big as they get. Um, I'm, sure where, I'm sure I saw a bigger one on here somewhere yesterday. But, you know, the leaves can get um 15 centimetres, six inches or so long. And they've got this lovely grey marbling in them veining again um so ivies i think yeah i do have a habit of growing plants that some people are scared of and don't want anywhere near the garden but (laughs) same with anything choose the right varieties and put them in the right place and they are good garden plants that are well worth trying you have Um, some
0: lovely ivies at plants' I've got
2: preference, rather a big collection of ivies now. And I started collecting ivies what mid nineteen nineties, and I grew up with some. I mean, my mum used to go buttercup. Do you know that one?
1: Yeah, Completely golden yellow leaf. Mm. And atrop. It looks fantastic on a north wall, Tim. Yeah, I've got it on the north wall of our tea room. Yeah, it's it's perfect for brightening up those
2: sort of duller, shadier places, is Yeah. yeah. And, I've got it, actually, it's um, in the garden here at the house, up a rather frail and ancient Rabinia pseudocosia frisia, which is going to have to have a chainsaw to it eventually. But it's gone arborescent up there as well. And Ah. I've now been able to root cuttings off the arborescent buttercup.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So they are slow. Um, They're never going to be easily and widely available, but arborescent forms of some of these ivies. For those who really don't want the trailing, running, climbing nature um it's another option and with something like buttercup that's that brilliant buttery yellow all year round um it's really cool. you should say
1: that because i actually saw in our californian border we were pulling some stuff out of the back of it and I, we suddenly came across an ivy i don't know where the heck the ivy came from but it's gone up this tree and it's gone arborescence all at the top and i just suddenly yeah. thought oh look at that i must take cuttings thanks for <laughs> reminding me
2: yeah, perfect time to do them but yeah they, they will take nearly all year to root Mm. another year to make a decent root system once you've potted them up um, the arborescent forms are rarely seen for sale because they are just so slow they're,
1: Labor of love, um, yeah.
2: they're not commercially viable really to produce but since when has that stopped me growing stuff <laughs> um i've just got a few other ivies here just to show a bit of the range of them this is i've just mentioned him actually bob brown from Cotswold garden flowers one that was named there probably 20 odd years ago called pink and curly um it's a bit mad new growth is pink and all the growth is incredibly curly it's It a is cracking, a twine.
0: cracking plant i've got that on my patio it's wonderful
2: yeah i mean you see how it, it makes a nice pot plants as well you just mm. keep trimming the trails off um, I'm hoping that'll go arborescent one day, but sometimes when the curly ones go arborescent, they lose a lot of the curls. Mm. They go to a much flatter leaf, so maybe it won't be so interesting when it does, but it's a lovely one anyway, if you like that sort of thing. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one that won't be everybody's cup of tea, this is called Very Merry, and this is a bit of a weird Ivy, because it's... This is actually its juvenile form, but it's shrubby. Um it's a bit like do you know erecta? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that sort of thing, but much lower growing. Doesn't get anywhere near as tall as that, just I don't know, a foot or so. Um it's got broad leaves and it it looks like the leaves are kind of inside out. Um it's a bit sort of like plastic that's been too close to a heater or something sort of effect to it. Um, so they're, they're almost sort of cupped rather than normally turned down as they would be. Um, but it's a nice upright bushy one, bright green new leaf on it in spring. Um, and it's just a, a good tidy ivy again. So it's not one that's going to take over and frighten everybody by clambering up six foot fences in half a minute. You know, it's, it's yeah, something different. And uh, that's always what I've, you know, always grow something odd that nobody else bothers with basically that's me
0: and also ivies they're such great plants they need people like you to champion them because more more of us should be growing them I mean you know in a suburban area where I live mostly what I see is people hiring somebody in to come and get rid of their ivy and they never want to see another one in their garden again a bit like a bamboo or something
2: I say speaking to customers half of them want rid and the other half want to buy more (laughs) Um, but I, I think, I mean, you know, when they come in such tiny, cute little things as this, um, <laughs> this is one called silver ferny. And I've had this in the garden outside my kitchen window for 10 years now. And it's maybe, it's a bit over a foot across, less than six inches tall. Um, again, makes perfect pot plant. Um, so, you know, there's, there's every scale out there with ivies. Um and, yeah, I've got quite a lot of them now. I've got a lot more <laughs> than I have snowdrops, let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> I, uh, which, which is saying something, because your snowdrop collection is not tiny.
2: Uh, it's not that big either. Um, what have I got? 30,
0: 40? That's fairly that's really good. Though uh, I counted mine the other day and realised I think we've got 12, which I know is nothing, but considering that we never meant to really have much of a collection, <laughs> don't uh, know how it's happened.
2: And that's that's plants, isn't it? You know, they just sneak up on you. Um, this is an ivy that might sneak up on you, but um, this is a, a different species. I should have said those last couple were Hedera helix, which is the the British native ivy, English ivy, as it gets called. Um, this is Hedera hibernica, which gets called the Irish ivy, but it's actually a bit more widespread than that. Um, it's as far as I understand the species is one that you would find growing on the west coast of Scotland, Wales, Devon, and Cornwall, perhaps. And I think it goes down to the west coast of Spain and Portugal as well. So basically, all up the Atlantic side of Europe, you find Hibernica instead of Helix. But here in East Anglia, it's all heterohelix. Um, but this is a cultivar called Rona. And it's one of those variably variegated (laughs) plants where you actually have to be quite careful where you take cuttings from. It's very tempting to always take cuttings off the really variegated bits. If you keep doing that, you lose the green out of it. And eventually you finish up with all the shoots completely creamy white. And of course it can't grow. If you do the other way and get cuttings off the very green bits, they will go greener and greener. So... You're always having to be really careful and kind of only taking maybe half the cuttings off it that you could do, and basically throwing away the very cream cuttings and the very green ones, <laughs> and just aiming for the leaves that look kind of. The lighting's not really working for that one here, is it? <laughs> it's
0: a lot it reminds of...
2: me. It reminds
1: me of Dotty.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of how do you describe it now speckled and splashed and yeah it's a really
0: it's a beautiful marking
2: it's a lovely thing but as you can see um this is one that does kind of trail and climb so it does want a fair bit of space or some very um careful pruning to keep it to size um but it's one of the showiest variegated ones that's not got a crisp margin around it i would say um,
0: yeah that's really pretty
2: it's a an, a lovely doer um <laughs> and before i bore everybody silly with ivy's last <laughs> one and this is for people who really don't like ivy how's about this one
0: <laughs> i believe that's what alan would call a diminutive little darling
2: <laughs> yeah well you can see how tall it is it's it's like two inches tall it's just about filling a one-litre pot there after about when did I pop that? That was potted in January 21. So that's just over two years old. Just filling that pot. That's Hedera Hibernica Spechli. So again, it's the Irish ivy, but it's the tiniest ivy I've got. And those leaves, they are I'll pluck one off.
0: It's tough. <laughs> oh, it is tiny. <laughs> um, if that you compare that, significantly so, smaller than a little fingernail, I reckon.
2: Well, there's Anna La <laughs> and there's Spechtley. So there's huge variation in ivies, and I really do think, you know, whatever space you've got, there will be an ivy that will fit it somewhere.
0: Yeah.
2: But this is interesting, actually. This Hedra Hibernica always used to be called Hedra Helix Spechtley, but and um, some various re- research work has been done over recent years including producing the new rhs monograph book that was published 2 3 years ago and they've obviously had a microscope out because i think the only easy, the only guaranteed way to tell the two species apart is to look at the shape of the leaf hairs now if you look at them with bare eyes you wouldn't know that they had hairs on the leaves <laughs> um, and, yeah, they've decided that somebody had erroneously decided this was a form of heterohelix and now it's heterohibernica. I think there's probably going to be a whole lot more that are assigned to different parentage when somebody gets their microscope on them. It won't be me. I'm just happy to grow them as the, the, the cultivar that it is. Um, what next? How's about something that I think is deeply out of fashion, but I really like? And I'm actually trying to collect again. So th- let not just collect one thing after another. <laughs> chorus. Um, people think they're grasses. They're not. Um, they're in the, I'm going to say Araceae. I think that's right. Um, so these are two different ones here. The yellow variegated one is a Chorus gramineus ogon. And the creamy white variegated one is just a Chorus gramineus variegatus. Um, they're the two most common ones that you'd likely find. Um, to be honest, a lot of garden centres will have these. They're not exactly rare because they're such good winter container plants. Mm. Really t- I mean, these have both been outside all winter. No protection whatsoever in quite small pots. And these are these nine centimetre square pots.
0: They're and, looking so fresh and, and zingy and spring-like.
2: And that's what they do all year round, pretty much. The only downside to these, I'd say, is they really didn't appreciate last summer's drought. Four months of high temperatures with zero rain Mm. doesn't do them much favor. Um, But in the winter, they really come into their own. Um, You get an idea of the sort of size. They're less than a foot tall. They slowly spread to form a mat. So they're sort of perfect things for the front of the border or something like that. Um, They do like quite a wet soil they they will grow in a bog garden or the very edge of a natural pond or something like that but that said they will grow in ordinary garden soil perfectly well too um i would avoid the very dry spots though um but brilliant container plants again um like we we're saying with the air north facing doorway or something you want a nice winter interest pot right outside the door perfect for it um yeah and then, as they get bigger, turf them out the pot, split them up, repot them every three years or so, and you've got some spread around the garden as well.
0: And oh, I think give me such patio inspiration, Tim. <laughs> I'm
2: going to pick Trumps up again because there might be a bit too much going on with the variegated leaf for some people, but I do think that different shape and texture and colour and everything is perfect for showing off these spring, these winter spring bulbs that everybody's going mad over nowadays. But you need the, the evergreen foliage things to go with them, I think. Yeah. So these are Japanese origin and the name Ogon kind of gives that away. Um, but I'm trying to track down another one, which has got a different color variegation to it. It's got the most awful name and my Japanese is non-existent. So I'm going to mangle it, but it's called Yodo no Yuki or Yodo no Yuki, if you prefer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> i had it 20 odd years ago lost it can't find it again it seems to be grown in america presumably it's still grown in japan i can't find anybody in the uk or europe with it anymore um but there are not many of these to choose from a few green leaf ones there's a little tiny yellow leaf one which looks great in a pot rubbish in the garden because it disappears so <laughs> to be honest ogon and variegator are the ones i would go for at the moment Till I can find that third one again. I'm not going to pronounce it or mispronounce it again.
0: And at least if you're going to collect something, that's a good group of plants because it's not quite as extensive as Hedera oh, yeah. or Galanthus.
2: Well, with the, the plain green leaf forms as well, there's only about six to worry about. So, know um, uh, that's of course Gramineus. There is another species that's deciduous, but stick with Gramineus, and they're evergreen. They're really good doers, tough as old boots, you might say. <laughs> Sorry, uh, and right, stretch a bit further this time. <laughs> um, now I mentioned briefly cyclamen, and I mean this is cyclamen Hedrifolium, one of hundreds of plants I've got now. I'm um, saying with seedlings that you can't decide which to keep and which to get rid of, or in my case, I'm supposed to sell some of them to try and <laughs> you know earn a living and pay for growing all the stuff that doesn't earn a living for me. I grow SICMA Hedrifolium from seed each year and I've got trays and trays and trays of them and you know I'm meant to maybe keep one or two out of every hundred to add to the stock and sell all the rest and I'm looking at this tray thinking no I'm going to keep all of this lot <laughs> and it's, it's not going to work is it? But
0: <laughs> They've just um, got he- such amazing leaves though haven't they?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, this one was one that I picked out of an early batch several years ago. It's absolutely bulging at the pot. And I don't know if you can see all of those coiled <laughs> seed stems there. I'm going to get masses of seed off that this summer when they ripen.
0: It's like a perm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>, absolutely <laughs> mad, completely manic. Um, but if you don't know Sigmund Hedrifolium, it's the sort of late summer autumn flowering one. Um, pink or white there's a few almost red forms people calling them fancy names like red sky but it's still kind of just deep pink really (laughs) Um, the foliage is coming along after the flowers and so we say hugely varied but it keeps the leaves all winter and again really nice contrast and looking at um, the garden over at Gable House at Reddisham, that's opened the NGS what 10 days ago now and in between all of the clumps of snowdrops and winter aconites and Crocus thomasinianus and that, there were patches of, cro- of cyclamen as well. Not just coom that's in flower in spring, but the Hedropholium, which had flowered in the autumn. Um, keep them apart, because Hedropholium will swamp coom if you grow them next to each other. Um, but yeah, I would just grow these for their winter foliage, if not for their flowers in the autumn. Um, they're really good doers. Um, and for some reason I get on well with Hedrifolium. I don't get on so well with Coombe. don't know why it is, compost, conditions, me. Uh, <laughs> I've got a few plants of and Coombe that are fine, but a lot of them just disappear on me. Whereas Hedrifolium, really good, tough doer. Um,
0: and when you grow say 100 from seed, how great is the variation in the foliage markings?
2: because I leave them completely open pollinated, so it's up to the the bees and whatever to do their stuff with them, quite varied. That said, I I do grow one seed strain called Silver Me Pink, which I would say is coming 90-95% true from seed, which considering I've got all of these other weird, wacky versions within Bee Flight, I'm always amazed at why that one comes so true from seed. Um, But And if you collect seed off one that's got a completely silvered or pewtered leaf, a lot of those will be like that, but you will also get some ordinary, I call the the sort of standard pattern leaf a Christmas tree pattern, where you get the the sort of concentric Christmas tree shaped rings of green and pewter and silver and that. Um, You always get a few of those, even from a completely silvered leaf form, but now in If you have a look on my instagram or twitter whichever you use from i don't know maybe about six weeks ago so early january i put up a photograph of a tray of last summer's seedlings so they were sown in june i would have thought last summer and they were from my selected forms which are all the ones that i really can't bear to do without i've got about 30 or so that i've I've got in that batch and they are hugely varied, but I can see some of all of the parents in that tray full, um, but there's probably 500 seedlings in that one seed tray. Oh,
0: <laughs>
2: that's going to keep us busy this summer when we've gone dormant and we prick them out.
0: <laughs> Drowning in cyclamen, it's not a bad state to be.
2: I think that's quite a good state to be, isn't it?
0: <laughs> what
2: else we got? Oh, I should do these things in a vase that are kind of lurking in from the side um just a few ferns briefly well three not many at all um i've always had a bit of a thing for polypodiums um because they're they're a bit like the arum they tend to be winter green they will go somewhat dormant in the summer um then the new leaves grow in late summer autumn so you've got lovely fresh patches of leaf throughout the winter again brilliant things to mix with the winter flowering bulbs the snowdrops and crocus thompsonianus and that's coming out now um and i have just placed a not very modest order for a whole lot of new varieties to trial so um yeah we will be trying a few more of them oh um, i'm jealous well yeah one of the things of running a nursery you so see, you can buy them and if they don't get on with you you can well they either go on the compost heap if they really don't like you or if you don't like them, you can sell them on and try something different. Um, but most of the ones I've got like this are forms of polypodium cambricum, which is native polypody. And this one is called Oakley. Um, I've had this for about five years now. And the other thing, apart from them being winter green, they spread as well. So they're not like most ferns that just make one lovely big rosette, but you can't then propagate them very easily the polypodiums on the whole do wander. So once they've been in for three, four years, you can dig them up and split them. Um, So if you want more um, or you want to sell them, they're much easier than things like polysticum and dryopteris.
0: That's a lovely frothy leaf. That's a proper come and get me leaf.
2: I've (laughs) I've ordered a couple that are much more frothy than that as well. So we'll see what they do. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you what, the, the other thing I nearly forgot, they like East Anglia as well. Mm. So many ferns get dried up and crispy in East Anglian climate, but because these are growing the new leaves in the autumn, they look lovely and fresh all through the winter and spring when the others are looking, well, like somebody's turned a blowtorch to them to be perfectly honest.
0: <laughs> and is that one you're selling?
2: To? Not yet, but I was looking at the pot. It's kind of overflowing. It's in a, a biggish pot and it's kind of overflowing now. So We'll probably split that this summer, so we may well have some in about a year's time. It's not a quick business, this, this nursery <laughs> lark, know. It takes time. And it, a couple of different forms here of one of the other ferns that I get on really well with. just trying not to drip water on the computer. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I need to hold this back further from the camera, don't I? Um, these are forms of Asplenium scolopendrium. And really evergreen fern, although it's it's looking a little bit brown around the edges this winter. Um, the the cold was obviously just a little bit too much for it. Um, the top one here with the very narrow, hold it a bit closer. You can see a crispy edged. Mm-hmm. Leaf. That's Asplenium scolopendrium angustatum. Um, that leaf is well over a foot long. It's only about an inch wide. So really, and this came off a big clump. Um, these do occasionally, I always want to say self um self-spore around, <laughs> um, but you can with big clumps divide aspleniums as well. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have massive success doing that, but it is an option if you've got a really big clump. The other one here should be golden yellow, but this winter it's gone decidedly lime green, and... He says forgetting the notes. Golden Queen, Ooh. I think. One.
0: It looks um, like it would be a Queen's Rough in Tudor well, times or something.
2: Doesn't suit me, does it?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: um so yeah, it's it's a lovely butter yellow new fronds in sort of late spring, early summer. And they do sort of slowly go limey through the, the autumn normally, but it's gone greener than it normally does. Um I wish I could sell this one because it's like hen's teeth and there'd be a huge waiting list for it, but I haven't yet bitten the bullet and tried dividing it. Um, I, I'd call it almost irreplaceable if I did kill it because I don't know where I could get another plant of it oh. from. Um,
0: that is real blo but... stuff. That is glorious.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely one of those things. If you see it for sale somewhere and you're humming and harring, Just take out the loan and buy it (laughs) and worry about where you're putting it afterwards. Um, The only time I've seen it for sale, it was sort of snowdrop price, that fern. Um, So it's not just snowdrops that ask silly money nowadays.
0: (laughs) Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.